Thank you very much, Jude, and Happy New Year from me as well to everyone. <laughs> um, at Catalysts, we tend to follow our, um, what would you call it, a preaching schedule, a liturgy almost, that's devised by Chuck himself, but occasionally you get these days it's a, it's a freebie, you know, free for all, do whatever you like, and uh, today is one of those days. But given the occasion, uh, I couldn't help but resist. Uh, does, that, does that make sense? I couldn't help but resist. That doesn't make sense, does it? I couldn't help uh, myself, and I had to pick up this passage. <laughs> it's one that's very familiar, I'm sure, to all of us, but it's a good opportunity at the start of the year. And so this morning, I'm, I'm going to be reading from Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 3, and I'll be reading verses uh, 1 through to 14. So if you've got a Bible, turn in the Old Testament to the book of Ecclesiastes. And if you don't have a Bible, we do have Bibles here that we love to give away for you to keep if you don't have one. And it will also come up on screen as well. A time for everything. Let us read. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? And I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is a gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever, and nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. And God does it so that the people will fear him. Amen. As I'm say, I'm sure many of you are familiar with that passage. It's one of those passages, sadly unfortunately, often pops up in funeral services. And um, the passage largely speaks for itself, doesn't it? It's an invitation to reflect and think over life. The teacher the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes. He's conscious, as we are, of his own limitations. And he's like, when he's writing this, he's throwing his hands up in the air, <laughs> as if to say, I don't understand it all. And I won't pretend, so neither should you. But he has confidence in God. And that gives him hope. 
And I hope this morning you will come away uh, with hope. You know, we've been through many seasons and festivals and days of celebration, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, <laughs> New Year's Day, Palm Sunday, Good Friday yet to come, Easter morning, Pentecost, Harvest, and there's many, many more besides. The point and purpose of annual festivals, occasions, events, is to mark the passage of time and to celebrate in the moment and looking back at what has happened. They give us cause to, to look back and think and reflect, but also to look forward with a, a sense of anticipation as well as to what might be. And again, today being what it is, the first Sunday uh, back at church following the new year, well, it's an invitation as well for us to do the same. <clears throat> you know, one of my favorite films over the Christmas period, and I'm sure many of you have got your favorite film. I know it's a, it's a Wonderful Life, it's a popular one. Well, mine is definitely A Christmas Carol. There's been umpteen different versions of it, and, and this clip uh, will come up. It's just a, a scene from one of the many various variations on it. If you're not familiar about the story of the Christmas Carol, it was written by Charles Dickens, uh, a Victorian novelist. And it tells a story of the transformation of a, a miserable miser <laughs> who, by disappointments and the lure of wealth and as a young man, some corrupted into the man that he became or was as the story unfolds. A person who despises Christmas and everyone else, it seems. But following the death of his former business partner, Jacob Marley, He's visited by three spirits through the course of the night as Christmas Eve folds into Christmas Day. And through that, those experiences, he's brought to face with his past, his present, and his potential future. And in it, he's given an opportunity to change, to, to become a different, a better man than he has been. And the story ends, if you haven't read it, maybe this is a spoiler, but <laughs> <laughs> he does change. He becomes the life and soul of Christmas, and uh, he's reunited with his extended family. You know, I love the story. It is fictional, obviously, but the essential premise of the story is about a man reflecting on his life and remembering the earlier joys that he'd forfeited, the mistakes that he'd made, and the impacts of his choices, both to himself, but also to those around him as well. And the inevitable conclusion of those choices. It's a powerful message that resonates with the gospel. And therefore, it's important for us as well to take time to reflect on where we've come from, where we're at, and where we're going. That sounds easy, but I know it's not. It's very rarely that we all have three uh, in sync at the same time. More often, we're conscious of only one or two of them. I know where I've been, I know where I am, but I haven't got a clue where I want to be or where I'm going. As a church family, today is one of those days it's an opportunity to look back and where we've come from. You know, many of us, uh, thankfully, are still here who were with us over five years ago when we started in Verurie. It was, what, somewhat 50 of us. And encouragingly, we've seen the church continue to grow. We have had new brothers and sisters in the faith come and join us. But we've also said goodbye 
to family members as well. As Jude had made mention, we said goodbye to Tiri this year. But we also celebrate the life of additions as well, of faith. <laughs> there is a, a time to be born and there is a time to die, but it is also a time to mourn and it is a time to laugh as well. And the randomness of life, sometimes one interrupts the other, doesn't it? There's no seeming rhyme or reason to the things that happen to us in life at times. But we can be rest assured of one thing. For those of us who are in Christ, we're not subject to the, the, the luck of the draw. We're not tossed and thrown by circumstances in life. It may seem so, but we have a sure and steadfast course and we know where we're going and where our ultimate destination is. And that in itself as a cause to give praise and to take hope. You know, lately I've been pondering over the story of Joseph, of his misadventures in the pages of Scripture. When you look at him in his earliest, in his days of youth, he was naive, he was arrogant, he was boastful, and suffered uh, to some extent because of it. But when you look at what happened to him, you could say, well, the misfortune that befell Joseph is maybe disproportionate to his character flaws. Yeah, just a little. But he's a good soulmate. <laughs> if you're feeling rejected or dejected, or life just seems unfair. You know, Joseph was a man who lived through Ecclesiastes 3. Success and disaster, joy and misery, visiting him again and again with a randomness and a frustrating sense of unfairness throughout his life story. But at the end of it, he had this to say when he was faced with those who betrayed him and had engineered his misery, it seemed. He said to his brothers, what you intended for evil, God has intended for good. You know, through his life and his experiences, they had tempered Joseph from immaturity towards a man of maturity, godliness, of wisdom, and grace. And so coming into the new year, this day in the court of our Father, we have an occasion to pause, to look back and reflect on our previous year. And what has happened to me, what has happened to you, what has happened in your year? Has it given you cause to give praise to God? Or you still find yourself maybe in a place of wrestling with a sense of disappointment, unforgiveness, resentment for something that has happened to you or something that seemingly random just seems unfair. It tells us in the passage that God has put eternity into the human heart. It's a desire for something more than what we can see. From what the eye can see, there's a sense we have this niggling, this gnaw, and this that there must be something greater, there's something more to life than just the passage of time and random events. In the person of Jesus Christ, we have this revelation of what we could become yet, dependent upon the choices we make. How will I build my life upon the foundation of yesterday? If it was a miserable structure, what do I need to do? Or more importantly, allow God to do in me 
and in order to effect a different outcome. How can I steer my life towards a, a Godward goal of becoming more Christ-like? Well, I know I've said it before, but I'll say it again, is by fixing our eyes on Christ. It is becoming so transfixed by Jesus, by his nature, his character, that is how we become more like him. But that sounds still a bit ambiguous and vague. Can I offer three practical suggestions at the start of the year? Some of you put your hand up and say you've come up with a New Year's resolution. Well, I've got three for you. <laughs> First of all, make it a commitment to pray regularly. Now, there are schemes upon schemes, models upon models, and we could find ourselves disappearing in numerous rabbit holes on the techniques. But I just want to simply raise the principle. We become like those that we spend most of our time with, for good or for bad, don't we? You know, I remember when I was at Bible College, I had a friend and a fellow student from Ghana, and her name was Esther Ompofo. And she relied on a number of us to start a prayer vigil that started from 7 at night till 7 in the morning. And uh, immediately as we started this, you could see a discrepancy between Esther and the rest of us. <laughs> she had a natural affinity of spending time in Jesus' company. She was totally caught up in Christ to the point where you'd almost have to take a double take as to see whether Jesus was actually physically in the room <laughs> when she prayed. Whereas so more often, the rest of us were making appeal, for, can we have another song? Because basically we just run into conversation. We didn't have anything more to say to God. You know, we were infants in prayer, whereas she was more like a mother. But you know, through the passage of time, we learned to begin to appreciate that it wasn't not a technique, not a model of prayer, simply pursuing the experience of spending time in God's company. In that in itself, we found ourselves changing, being transformed. Our vision of God was getting wider and broader, higher and deeper. Our love and our sense of awe towards God was expanding beyond what we thought possible. And they began to find that the long prayer vigils that seemed like an eternity from 7 till 7 in the morning that seemed to drag on, <laughs> they began to seem to get shorter and shorter, and shorter, and we found ourselves finishing before we even seemed that we'd started, because we were so caught up in the presence of God, simply by the experience of spending time in his presence. It transforms the soul. The character of a person is transformed by being in the presence of God. You know, it's said that spouses after a long time of marriage often find themselves adopting one another's traits, their, their, <laughs> their habits, their likes and their dislikes. And often it's unconscious, but it happens, doesn't it? So I'll put to you today, what traits of Christ would you like to see cultivated in your life this year? And you only need to spend time in his presence and you'll begin to see it happen. So I urge you this year, make a choice to be a person who regularly prays. Secondly, 
I want to encourage you this year to eat the Bible, or rather read the Bible regularly. I don't mean literally eat it, but I say that as I'm reminded of the, the vision that was given to Ezekiel, when God said to him, eat the scroll, and he did. You know, Jesus himself said in Matthew 14, 4, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from out of the mouth of God. You know, as Christians, we're prescribed a particular diet, and it must consist of regularly reading Scripture. It is, in a sense, similar again to prayer, but in a sense, it's about getting to know our Heavenly Father. I remember as a young lad, often sitting with my dad in the evenings and listening to his stories. Some of them I think were true. Some of them, um, I'll take them as true. I believe them anyway. <laughs> but as, as I was to, if I was to relate some of the stories that he told me, you would be, very quickly begin to get a, a sense, an idea of the kind of person he was. Uh, his likes, his dislikes. How to relate to him best. How to uh, invoke his rage. <laughs> and uh, how, how also to avoid it. You know, the Bible is God's story. And it's been recorded for us so that we might get to know him much better. But if I say it's like prayer, but yeah, it's also different. The difference between prayer is that Scripture in its written form, it draws a line through ambiguity. It stands as a testimony to what God has done in that situation before, and he will likely do it again. As he did to them, he will do for you. You know, I was struck the other day when I was reading uh, that passage where Jesus was led into the desert, and he was tempted by Satan. And Jesus, he could have done many things, but he repeated again and again the words of Scripture towards the tempter. And when I was reading it, I mean, Jesus could have drawn up many different passages, but each of them had the same kind of sense around them, that it was all passages related to how we should relate to God as Father. Yeah, the, the tempter who was, who was also using Scripture out of context and twisting it to entice Jesus to do something for himself, Jesus used it to remind himself and us of how to relate to God. It's a powerful reminder. And he's encouraging us to do the same. If you haven't started your Bible in a year, then maybe today is a good day to do it. And there's a plethora of them. If you go on new version, you'll find a Bible in a year or BibleGateway.com, and I'm sure there's many others. You know, often in life, we think nobody has ever experienced what we are going through at any given moment. You know, as you begin to unfold the scriptures, you realize, oh, um, he knew. She knew what it was like. And God was there. And God blessed them still. They knew that circumstance that I'm going through. And this is what God said to them. He said the same thing to you as well. <laughs> Be encouraged. When you open up the Bible, you find yourself surrounded by a great um, family surrounding you. People who've been where you've been. And they will testify to the faithfulness of God. So be encouraged. Read your Bible this year. 
And lastly, besides prayer and Bible reading, always apply. <laughs> Make this year about application. You know, we can pray, we can read, but we need to ultimately apply what we pray, what we discover in our conversations with God in the reading of Scripture and apply it to our daily circumstances. I want to read shortly from James. It says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Otherwise, you're deceiving yourselves. For anyone who hears the word but does not carry it out is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after observing himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and continues to do so, not being a forgetful hearer, but an effective doer, will be blessed in what he does. Faith, as you've probably heard that colloquialism before, is a, is, is a verb, isn't it? It's, it's not a state of mind. It's a, it's a response. Faith is a response to being in conversation with God, to what God has said. And we act in faith. As James says, what is faith without works? Faith is a, a, an active response to what God is saying to us, calling upon us. And when we respond to God, it's almost like a stance <laughs> between us and God. As we respond to him, he moves, and we move constantly in partnership together. And we see the promises of God begin to unfold in our lives. At this, before the service, when we were... Uh, had a, a time together as a team. I was reminded of Jesus' word in Matthew uh, 7, where he says, Therefore, everyone who has heard these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who builds his house on the rock. You know, that passage isn't a promise that you're going to have, uh, you're living in the Costa del Sol, you're going to have sunshine every day. <laughs> It's the promise that you will have bad weather. But by living and building our lives upon a relationship, a close relationship with God, listening to His Word, acting upon His Word, we will be much better and able to weather the circumstances that come against us in life. So we will still continue to experience these, the seemingly randomness of life, joy and grief, sometimes intermingled at the same moment, unexpected things happening in life but we have a sure and steadfast saviour a rock that we can build our lives upon this year you know as I say today is a, a time to look, reflect and look back where have I been where am I where do I want to be you know God has given us a wonderful grace of uh, free will to act upon it he calls us to love and to follow and therefore, it's up to us to respond. So I challenge you this year. Pray, read, and act. And, you know, together, this is, I think this is going to be a very exciting year for us as a church. It is. We don't know everything that God has got planned, but that is the nature of the things, the way things are. But with God, we will work in partnership with Jesus. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? fellow workers with Christ? Well, if you look at what Jesus done in Scripture, well, <laughs> maybe that should give you an inspiration enough to consider, I wonder what God will do with me this year. He will do many good things, individually, but importantly, collectively as well.
So let's go forth into this new year with hope, encouragement, and readiness to act where God leads. Amen. We're going to stand. We're going to worship. Talking about resolutions, maybe you're one of, you, you're one of those folk that often see other people go all forward for ministry and you're always like, oh, oh, oh. well, maybe this is another resolution to start this year. <laughs> if God has stirred your heart or spoken to you or there's something you think, I should always go for prayer, but I never do. Maybe today's the day to do it, yeah? So if there's anything that God has stirred in you or something you want to seek resolution on or if it's a physical healing any kind of healing come forward and we want to pray let's start this work this year with